What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. I'm coming to you from my Airbnb in Ventura, California. Um, so I did not get to catch much of the cornhole this weekend. So I'm really excited to recap it with you guys. But uh, how was West Virginia? Trey, I know you were there. Yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, you know what? We went to West Virginia, didn't really know what we were going to get, but I think it was a pleasant surprise from everybody between the venue, the location, the the atmosphere, the the play. I mean, it was um it was it was really cool. The the pro shootout was great and then it was a cap off to the open season. So the Bacardi Spiced ACL Open Tour is officially in the book. 16 nice. open events this season um incredible so um i think it was a great cap off to to an incredible season so in terms of the opens we're done there we just have the international open left correct yeah and and technically that won't be a, a points event it'll be an open as in you know anybody can come compete in it and 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 compete against some pros but it'll be outside the point season so it won't be uh, count towards any standings got it all right, cool. Well, the open season comes to a close. The shootouts continue on, though. So let's talk about the fifth shootout we had this weekend. For men's singles, Josh Holland took the win there, followed by second with Matt Guy, Alec Ryan, and Caleb Batson take third. For women's singles, Vanessa Fillingham takes first, Allison Peters second, and Sarah Cassidy and Sam Finley third. Poor Sam Finley. She's just always right in there. Right there all the time. <laughs> So yes. close. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on singles. I didn't get to watch any of it. So to walk me through it, what happened? Yeah. So, well, I think the more exciting storylines and what happened was on the women's side. So first you have, and Michelle, the, the, I can't even put into words what we witnessed in that semifinal. But in that semifinal, Vanessa Fillingham's got a seven-point lead in round nine. <laughs> okay, seven-point lead in round nine. And she's got a bag hanging in the hole, another bag off to the side. And really, you got a seven-point lead in round number nine. Just concede that bag and just, just keep going in. You know, if you give up two or three points, it is what it is. She goes for an airmail, knocks her own bag off the board, Sarah Cassidy misses three bags and it's an absolute just, I mean, nobody, nobody could do anything. So anyway, she gives up two points. Uh, and so you're like, wow, she, I can't believe she's going to get away. Did that with really this. just happened. It was yeah. Did that really just happened. She's going to get away with this and she's going to win, even though she had a terrible decision in round number nine. So what does she do? She puts her first two bags in Sarah Cassidy puts her first one in and then goes for an airmail and misses. So I literally on live TV said, well, that'll do it. Vanessa filling up, blah, blah, blah. Little did I know Vanessa, Sarah Cassidy would then throw an airmail and make it. Vanessa Fillingham throws one off the board. And then you hear me go, yeah. well, I guess technically this is still a game. Sarah Cassidy hits another airmail. So right now it's nine to four. Vanessa Fillingham only has one bag left. And I said, okay, all she has to do is put it on the board. And she <laughs> throws it off the back of the board. Oh, no. like, literal insanity happening. She survives in that round. I mean, then it goes to sudden death overtime, and she's lucky she scores two points in the next round. So that, like, literally up and down roller coaster with Vanessa Fillingham. She goes on to play Allison Peters. She, she outlasts Peters. 
an unbelievable underdog win, but it was just absolute utter chaos. And 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 she was a nervous wreck like the entire time. I even talked oh, to her afterwards, no. like, what are you thinking? And she's like, Honestly, I just tried to push through the last bag. I'm like, why are you trying to push through? You don't need to do that. <laughs> you don't put it on. Um, and and uh no, it was it was chaos, but you know, hey, shout out to the Vanessa. She she broke serve, right? She's officially the Lori duel of this season. Lori duel last season won one when she wasn't supposed to win one, right? I mean, when you look at the people that are still supposed to win a shootout, Sarah Cassidy's on that list. Yeti Irwan's still on that list. Megan Maupin, Sam Finley, Allison Peters, all these top females. Connie Altice, all these top females that are supposed to win a shootout, they were supposed to at least take that one. One, Someone was just one of those big names was supposed to take it. But shout out to Vanessa Fillingham that when when it mattered most, she showed up and she she – even though at times it was ugly, she she got the win. So I was impressed. Really entertaining um, on the women's side for me. Uh, on the men's side, you know, Josh Holland did what Josh Holland sometimes does, and that just he doesn't miss. Um, he got in a rhythm. He hit 19 straight to start his game in the semifinals, and that was just too much for Alec Ryan, who had a nice run. And then in Mac, and then the finals against Mac Guy. I mean, Holland again just didn't give Guy any opportunities guy had a couple airmails he needed to hit if you want to stay in the game and he just couldn't hit him so more pressure starts to build for that guy here um heading into the remainder of the shootout series but overall uh certainly some fireworks on the women's side so. i should have said that i should have said is matt guy gonna have another matt guy situation in the shootouts because <laughs> man that guy's got some bad luck with the shootout series we were talking about mark richards but obviously we'll get to doubles when he does at least take that so come on matt you do it all right anthony what you got yeah we talked about cassidy she was a strong favorite coming into this one coming up that game short that you were talking about she just wasn't the usual cassidy that we see i mean if you compare that match that she lost to get on espn to all her lead-in games she was fire coming into that and just kind of fell apart in that Fillingham match. So we just didn't see the Cassidy that we normally see. Peters versus Fillingham in that finals. I mean, it's great to see Peters back on a broadcast in championship matches. Uh, it's good to see her just kind of show up again. She was a staple last year. I mean, at first glance, most people are going to be like, Fillingham in the finals? How? You know, where did this lady come from? Well, listen, Fillingham was the sixth highest ranked female in that field. So really not a surprise this girl can sling bags. I first saw her, Trey, it was in Nashville, Tennessee, when we did the USAC Club Championships last year. And I told her, I said, you have the skill it takes to compete at this pro level. And she's even better now. So way to go for filling them. Uh, moving over to the, the uh, men's singles. Some favorites coming up short. Jordan Power after, out after his first match to Ber Berkeley Pair. Frank Modlin, always so close. Uh, he's a game from the bracket final, loses to Josh Holland. Mark Richards, a fourth-round loss also to Josh Holland. Trey Misha, I, I, I kind of like that win of Holland over Richards. It was like a bit of a, a little bit of a revenge, right? Remember the perfect game where he kind of came over the top and bettered his perfect game? A little revenge there, knocking him out of the shootout. But to me, the run by Alec Ryan is literally, the. to me, it's the best storyline. I mean, that's two pro events in a row now that Alec Ryan has blown open the pro bracket. If we rewind to National 4 two weeks ago in Chicago, he was the 143rd ranked, not the 141st, 
Trey. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> we like that term. He was the 143rd ranked pro going in, takes fourth in his bracket, comes out of Chicago 77. So he jumped 66 positions well inside that 100 or 100 singles, which we know is really important to get your pro card next year. Fast forward to this shootout. Round two, he sends Hisner packing. Round three, bye-bye Berkeley pair. He sends him packing. Round four, he knocks out the number six ranked pro in the world, Tanner Halbert. He's not done yet. Round five, he gets the number 10 doubles bagger in Jacob Foreman. Jacob Foreman. So, Trey, I feel like at this pace, the way that Ryan's been showing up, he could make a lot of noise in Worlds in a couple weeks. I'll be excited to see that. But Josh Holland, you know, a last kind of last minute season uh, surge here for him. Um, he won the blind draw at Natty Four. He fights for the doubles championship on ESPN at Natty Four. And then he comes out this weekend at Shoot at Five, takes down men's singles. Mish, just like Ryan Holland, I think, is coming into world super strong. This dude is totally capable of leaving Rock Hill with a world championship trophy in his suitcase. Um, so everybody look out. He doesn't need to leave Rock Hill. He'll be sleeping in his own bed for the world championships. Which is Okay, there be- you go. Which is going to be some home field advantage. Nice. There you go. That, that'll do it. Let's move on to doubles. We had Mark Richards and Steven Bernisette take first. And then Storm Hogue and Jacob Trzinski take second. Mark Richards finally breaks that streak of not being able to win in any of the shootouts. So um, happy for him. But what are your thoughts there, Trey? Have yourself a July, Mark Richards. Mark yeah. Richards, I mean, just continues. Wait, do you think? It's because he's a teacher, and so he has summers off. So is he just, like, sleeping more, practicing more? Like, is uh, I don't know. Probably I don't even know how to look at it. I don't even <laughs> know to look at it. Here's the crazy stat. Mark Richards, in his rookie season, obtained seven titles so far. <laughs> seven. Wow. That puts him sixth all-time in, in the one. ACL. In one season. In one season. I mean, that's that's stupid. That's stupid. He's got three open singles wins, yep. open doubles win, national singles win, national doubles win, and now a shootout doubles win. I mean, to me, that's that's just an unbelievable season. An unbelievable season, and to do it as a rookie, just unreal. And I think Bernasette was the perfect partner, right? I mean, I think Bernasette – when him and Gustafson played together, especially this past year and a half, it's almost been like Bernasette has had to be the leader of that team a little bit. Um, and this time, you know, Bernasette got to play like the supporting role, which is something I don't think Bernasette had done in a while. And I think it worked great. He, he looked re- more relaxed. He more, looked a little bit free, you know, of just, just doing what I need to do. Cause I'm throwing it down the other end. And um, you know, he was, he was, he was great situationally. Um, so, so ultimately they, they get the job done. Um, you know, Hogan, Trzinski, Trzinski at times this weekend, just, that is just so Trzinski. There are times you look at him and even we'll talk about the open in a bit, but even in the open, there were times I was like, this guy will not lose. I mean, he can't lose. It's impossible for this guy to lose. Um, you know, uh, but, but, but ultimately shout out to, to Bernasette and, and, um, and Richards for, for getting the job done and getting a win in the win column. Nice. Anthony, what do you think? Mish, this one was painful. Cobb and Batson come up one game short of that finals on TV. Check this out. Cobb and Batson up eight to four in the final round. Batson shanks 
three bags to the right and gives up a six spot to lose. Oh, I fell for I... him so much in that moment. And here's what's crazy, Mish. He had only missed one bag the entire game going into that final round. And then shanks three to end up losing it. So that's tough, tough. Um, I'm like a, a hope for a close game guy. You know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I really want this guy to win or I want this guy to win. I really love close games. We were denied that in that doubles final, Mish. Uh, so Hogan, Trzinski, they go on a 6-0 run in three rounds. And then Richards oh. and Bernicet turn on the Jets yeah. in seven rounds, a 17-1 run. They went, wow. they did on those last, those last seven rounds. So Richards, Bernicet, they're going to join Eric Davis, Brett Guy, Ryan Smith, Philip Lopez, Jamie Graham, Matt Guy, Ryan Smith, and Noah Wooten in the shootout championship. Mish, only three spots left. Everyone's running out of time. And the last thing I'll say before we move on to, to, to Mike is we now have our first matchups set for the pro shootout championship. Uh, yeah. Because you have the number one seed being the first winners of a shootout. We'll play the eighth winners, right? But now we're in the middle of the bracket. We have our four versus five. So if you look at the men's single side, you're going to have Josh Holland versus Jimmy Humans, right? A little bit of a rematch of what happened in Atlantic City where Josh Holland got the best of Jimmy Humans in order to get through that, that bracket in pro singles. On the women's side, we will have Miranda Coy versus Vanessa Fillingham. That will be an interesting matchup. And, of course, on the doubles, doubles side, Mark Richards and Steven Bernicet against Noah Wooten and Ryan Windsor. So that's going to be – I think that's the, that's kind of the tastiest of the three matchups that we'll see, and it'll be fun to watch. Nice. That is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. All right, let's go ahead and bring Mike on for Morton Corner. What's going on, Mike? Hey, guys. So I had a first-row seat, a front-row seat for the Open this weekend, calling all the action. And let me tell you, the youth, it's real. It was so <laughs> exciting. It was crazy. so fun. And a lot of them have the same style. Um, but but with just tiny little you know flourishes that separate them from each other. But it was so fun to watch. I've got some numbers for you, Anthony. I know you were looking at the numbers too. But they just blew my mind. We were calling the final eight. Um, when we were at the final eight of uh, singles, it was the ACL Open of the Youth, parentheses, <laughs> and Frank. Yeah. The age curve. So your final eight players in singles, the average age, and this includes Mr. Modlin, who qualifies to play for seniors next year. So remember remember that it's it's got one outlier, 22. That's your average age of the final eight. What if you took what if you took Frank out? Well, if you go down to the final four, the players that made the final four, this is mind-blowing. They aren't even old enough to drive. 15.75 was your average age of the final four. Jeez. So that is, that's a stat. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, there's no way you can show me a tournament of that size in any any fashion that has that much youth at the top. Yeah, Mish, you it's could take the three like youngest the players. I was going to say, you could take the three youngest players and add them up, and Modlin's still got them in age. No, <laughs> yeah. don't say that. It's so not cool. Absolutely. We, we, were, we were laughing. The final four players wouldn't even be able to play super seniors. The final three players couldn't even play seniors. If you add their ages up, they're not even old enough to play seniors. 
Oh. Mind-blowing how, how young and how talented they were. And they did it in singles and doubles. Yeah. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a fluke. And then on top of that, uh, as I was saying a second ago, it's not like the big guns weren't there. The big guns were there. They were just falling. The, the, the kids were knocking everybody off right and left. So, so here's some, here's some ages. These are your final eight in singles. 19, 16, 16, 13, 14, 17, 18, and Frank. And Frank. <laughs> and we're just going to say the name. Uh, Frank was representing. He was absolutely carrying, you know, all of us older guys on his shoulder um, against those youth. But, you know, ultimately he could only make it to the final eight. Trey, Trey is that where the game's going? I, I don't, I don't it's look, it's, here's what I believe. Here's, here's truly what I believe is that the game will live here for a while until you, the money is enough to which some, for example, Anthony, if you were the best player in the world right now, you probably still have a full-time job, right? But when the money gets to the point where you can make $200,000 a year, right? You're probably going to do that full time. And if you can do that full time, that means you have the ability to practice like a full time athlete, right? right? I think the advantage that these players have right now, like Michelle just said, summer and combine the fact that, you know, if I'm 14 years old, what are these 14 year old kids doing, doing right now? Right. What did you do growing up playing a sport? You, went to school as soon as you got home you were either out in the backyard or you were out at practice playing and you did that every single day and on the weekends you either had games or you went out and you were playing pickup with your friends somewhere right yep. cornhole is becoming that these players they're getting home from school if they have any homework they're doing it then they're getting out and they're throwing for an hour by themselves and then they're getting mom or dad to drag them to a blind draw every single night i mean and that's what these kids are doing. They're being up. They have the advantage. Cornhole does not discriminate based on age. And so because of that, I don't think it's necessarily the fact that these kids are younger that makes them better. It's because they can play more often than any other age group at this current time that we're seeing this huge influx of youth talent. Now, just like bags, everybody was freaking out about bags, how bags got faster and that ruined the game and everything like that. There was a self-correction that occurred. It went extreme on slick bags for a yeah. long time and then overcorrected to see a balance because people found that they could combat really slick bags with a slower style of play. I think we're going to see the exact same thing. We're right now in the peak of this huge momentum shift towards the youth of the game. We will eventually see a correction back to a normal. It just may take a couple years for some of these 25, 30, 35, 40-year-old players in order to get um, more consistent practice routines and everything like that and treating the sport as, as a professional athlete would. So, so get this, Trey. If you if you expand it, you had the final eight, right? Those were your eight bracket winners. So if you also now look at the runners up in the brackets, you've got a 21-year-old Logan Chamberlain finishing second place in his bracket. You have Ryan Wiedenfeld at 15, second place in his bracket. Uh, Bella 
15 years old, second place in her bracket, and Trey Birchfield, 19 years old. So 12 of your final 16 players in singles, 75% of them were the age of 21 or under. If that doesn't scream youth, you know, I don't know what does. There's never been a tournament I've seen that says that. That's what's going on here in Colorado too. The, the the every so often I show up to the tournament, it's like, damn, I hope those young guns are here because I want to I want to get some of that because they're always the guys now beating everybody. It's like, and, man, and let me tell you, I looked at some of the stats, and yeah, there some of the in some of the brackets there were some dominating performances with either PPRs or with uh, DPRs, but I want to tell you, a lot of these kids weren't dominating statistically which means they were hitting the clutch shots. They were winning the close games. When you looked at PPR, they were down in 7th, ninth, 11th. Um, when you looked at PPR, they were down in DPR as well. They, just, they were winning the close games when they needed to. So it wasn't a statistical domination. They, to me, that says something even better about them. They won clutch games when they were, when they were needed to come through. They came through. So – um, I, I want to let you guys get on to the rest of your segment, but just want to give you a couple more names that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, this is your youth movement, all 21 or under. Batson, Caden Allen, Fisher Hamilton, Trzinski, Jaden Ellis, Jacob Gore, um, Eric Davis, Ryan Wiedenfeld, Trey Birchfield, Bella, Logan Chamberlain, <laughs> Kano, Burton Jr., Foreman, and that leaves out some name like Jack Gore. Uh, these were just the players that had really strong finishes. Um, so anyway, look out. These guys are coming. Um, many of them aren't going to be old enough to make the pro division for a few years, but when they do, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Keeping that dirty game alive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, and they almost all play that dirty game. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the numbers, and we're going to get into the open a little bit later in the show, but I was like, how many of those are kids? I feel like it's the whole field. So crazy stuff there. Thanks so much, Mike. All right. Take care, guys. You, Mike. All right. Moving into news around the league, we had um, quite a few events over the weekend. We had the Canadian Provincial Conference doubles. We had Travis Moreau and Andrew Cameron singles, Connor Weiss. The Utah State Championship, uh, Dylan Leiter, Alex Bernkoff, and singles, Jim McKinnon. Minnesota State Championship, doubles winners, Chris Evans and Visna Sam. And for singles, Hayden Ferguson. And then the Nevada State Championship, Nick Runovitz with McGuire Shepard. And McGuire also took down singles. So awesome stuff there uh, over there on the news around the league. Anything you guys want to throw in there before we move on to the Open? Uh, just everything, uh, everything come to a close now. The the open standings are kind of coming to a close. The last, the, uh, everybody, all the directors getting their points in today. So by the end of the day today into tomorrow, we will know all of the, at least the top 24. Now, as we go down the list, we'll be removing pros from that that automatically qualify, but we won't know that until Worlds. But at a minimum, you're going to have your first 24 players guaranteed to make a spot in the in the pro division um next season so that's 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 a a cool place to be um and and excited to get to get this next batch of rookie class and see if they ever live up to the infamous rookie class big shoes big big shoes shoes. (laughs) big shoes 
Hey, Mish, I'll just throw one in there that, that, that it would be item five or the one we didn't talk about. So news around the league. We had our first club championships in Colorado this weekend. That was fun. We had 12 different clubs from around the state, 22 teams pile into the Denver area. And we ran basically a, a team event similar to the USAC format, kind of like uh, the ACL, but it had, you know, a couple singles and doubles. But that was a super fun, fun format. It just felt like a reunion with all, all the, the, the baggers around Colorado coming in for this team event. So that, that was super fun. Well, that's super How'd you, cool. How'd you play? Like trash. So it came down to Mile High Cornhole. That's my club. And Southside Baggers, they're about 30 minutes south of, of Denver. We made it to the championship. It came down to my match in a doubles matchup. Me and my partner couldn't get it done. To uh, to win that one to move forward, so that one was all on me. Just just trash. I, I, sometimes I hate this game, Trey. <laughs> oh man, well, I was telling Trey before we started that I, I was over here at the Surf Rodeo and they do paper brackets here, and um, it was something something different. <laughs> not not quite the same. <laughs> paper brackets. <laughs> yeah, definitely a different vibe. All right, let's move into our final open, as we've been alluding to here. Level one doubles winners, Fisher, Fisher Hamilton and Gavin Cano, and then Nico Morales and Gavin Cano for second. Um, and then our singles, we have Caleb Batson in first, Caden Allen in second, Fisher Hamilton and Jaden Ellis in third, as we talked about a bunch of young players in there. Uh, so let's let's hear what you got, Trey. Yeah, so we, we kind of previewed it with 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 Mike, but this was the open of the youth um, and, and a huge, huge way to finish the season. Caleb Batson gets his first ever ACL title by getting a singles uh, win. And at, at no point did I in, in the bracket. This is what's weird is like at no point did I say Caleb Batson's going to win this whole thing. There wasn't a single point in that tournament following the brackets, watching the live feeds that I, yeah. that's what I said. They were, I said about every other name. I said, <laughs> you know, I said Frank Modlin's going to win this thing. I said, Jacob Trusinski's going to win this thing. I said, Fisher Hamilton's going to win this whole thing, but I never said Caleb Batson until he won. It was, it was just incredible. I mean, in the semifinals, sorry, maybe even quarterfinals, quarterfinals against Jacob Trusinski, Trusinski's up 15 to three. I closed that game. I started watching a different game, right, on the brackets. Right, I was following my score zone as I was doing something else, right? And then I pull up the live feed, and it's like I hear Mike say, Jacob Trzinski, I mean, uh, Caleb Batson into the semifinals. I said, all right, Mike, what? you screwed up. You screwed up, all right? <laughs> um, Jacob Trzinski was won that game. And I sure enough, I look at my bracket, Trzinski didn't show, score another point. I mean, it was it was unbelievable how Caleb Batson, from the second he was down, I think fifteen to three, all the way through the finals, he takes down Fisher Hamilton, who looked unbeatable, and then obviously Caden Allen in the finals. He was he earned it. He played like the Caleb Batson that we always hear about how unbeatable he can be, and certainly at the pro division side, we've talked about how good he can be. Um, but we we just haven't seen that level of. Un unbelievable play, um, and, and we did finally this time. But there's two storylines that I want to talk about, kind of centered around this pro, um, this this U18 movement, and that's the fact that who's going to be a pro next season. We talked about, and, and I, we talked about this in episodes before, how the U18 battle was going to be unbelievable. And we talked about how kind of six players looked like they were going to get an automatic bid and maybe two spots for application, and 
as of right now, I think those spots may be gone, right? Alex Hicks and Caleb Batson, two pros well within range to automatically yeah. qualify via pro standings. At the last national of the year, Bella Soprenant and Hunter Thorne have a good enough performance putting them in the top 50 of pro double standings. That gives them a third U18 player automatically qualified. Jackson Gore, also a PDC player, but played well enough this season. He's in the top 100 of singles comfortably. He's in. That is four spots taken. Ryan Wiedenfeld was top 15 in open standings. You feel like he's pretty much solidified being in the top 24. There's your fifth. Um, uh, there's your fifth. So really three, three spots remain. Jack, I mean, sorry, Jake Gore coming into this event was 25th, 25th in open standings. How many make, you know, automatic pro 24. Now U18 don't get the benefit of eliminating pros lower in the standings. They have to make top 24. That's the only way they can do it. So Jake Gore found himself just outside the top. He, if you look at his player details, he was only missing three points from local points and four points from open standings. The only ways he could have gotten enough points to get into the top 24 were one of two ways. Win three sit-and-goes at the open. If he had won three sit-and-goes, that would have given him three points in order to, to go up. He only played one sit and go and he came in second place. Then he was four points shy of having a perfect open score. He would have had to, his best finish in an open singles was second in his bracket, which means if he wanted to, if he wanted to do better than that, he would have to win his bracket. And guess what he did? He won his bracket to get four points and jump up into the top 24 as of right now. Now, I don't know if any regionals happened that caused a, another yeah. team to jump ahead of him, but as of recording this right now, Jake Gore did enough to jump in and wow. qualify into the top 24. There's your sixth. He ties alongside Nick Patuski, another U18 player that gives you seven, all within the top 24. And then Fisher Hamilton was missing, could increase a possible 16 points going into the last open. And the only way he could do it was on the double side. Yeah, He couldn't do it on the single side. The only way he could get better is on the double side. What happens? Him and Gavin Cano win doubles. He gets the 16 points. He skyrockets into the top 24 in standings. And as a U18 player, that is your eighth and final automatic bid spot taken now how can this get screwed up the only thing that can really get screwed up from here assuming all my math is correct assuming nobody else no wild card jumped in is really someone like an ian cripps has a really good world championships on the pro side and jumps in pro is going to get priority before the open so maybe that kicks someone out like a nick patuski but as of right now your eight automatic U18 qualifiers for next season 
Alex Hicks, Caleb Batson, Bella Soprenant, Jack and Jake Gore, Ryan Wiedenfeld, Fisher Hamilton, and Nick Patuski. Incredible, wow. incredible performance what we've seen so far. Um, but but man, it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. So that's what I want to talk about in the open. I know Anthony will dive a little bit deeper into singles and doubles, but I thought those were a really cool storyline that developed over the weekend. Yeah, I know it's a topic that all those under 18 players are interested in hearing about. That's for sure, because it is tough. Anthony, what do you want to add to our open recap? Yeah, I'll start off with doubles. So, Trey, my man, are you ready to jump on the Joe Neistead bandwagon yet? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's well documented. I, th- I think Joe Neistead is on the verge of a breakout, either winning a bracket or even entire pro tournament. I think he's capable. But I want to put that aside for a minute and talk about his partner, Nico Morellis. Hell of a bagger and a great partner for Joe. He was arguably the best player in the entire doubles tournament. He either led or was top five in multiple statistical categories. The dude's airmail was absolutely insane. He threw a perfect game against Renner in the shootout um, and came up one game short of a title uh, there. So congrats to those guys on a run and a, a shout-out to uh, to Morellis for really stepping up his game. Uh, but Foreman and, and Wiedenfeld want to go there. They almost... Uh, they almost take down a bracket. I mean, I can't wait for next season to see what Weedenfield can do. You just went through him uh, qualifying as a junior. It was a couple years back in Nebraska. We were at a regional or something, and, and Weedenfield was battling for the chip. Comes up a few points short to Tay Harris in that one. And the dude, he was so passionate and so overwhelmed and beside himself on that loss. Uh, we kind of had this little private chat on the side, and I just said, man, listen. You are a badass player. Just keep grinding and your time is going to come. Well, it's come. He takes out the number one player in the world, Mark Richards, in the singles event. So I'm excited to see what he can do coming up here. Uh, but to the champs, Fisher or Fisher Hamilton and Gavin Cano. I mean, Trey, last week you weren't really feeling that Cano partnership, right? I mean, right. Yeah. 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 You said, hey, Hamilton needs, needs the win. He's on this bubble. And I was with you. I'm thinking, man, this kid should go out and pick up a ringer. Well, Apparently he did. Yes. You know? so we saw we saw Cano win a bracket with Hamilton, both in that same in that same open. Um, so yeah, that they're going to make that cut. And um, yeah, just just to kind of emphasize what uh, what Mike was saying, that youth movement really showed up in, in the doubles event. Um, can we go through singles real quick, Misha? Or are we out of time? No, go ahead. Okay, I just want to mention Bassett and Allen. Um, you know that final was absolute fire. Nisha, you got to go back and watch this game. It will. They were ripping bags so fast that you literally you couldn't appreciate the complexity of what was going on. I mean, it was high-level rolls and complex cuts and lifts. They're running bags at a high percentage rate, too. I mean, it was pretty much insane how easy they made it look. Batson was my favorite player last season. It was pumped to see him this deep again and make a run, and he absolutely slayed it. If you look at the six games even coming up into it, not only was his stats like – ceiling stats close to 11 in most categories he was hitting every single complex shot he was firing all on all cylinders he looked absolutely amazing i mean that's that's world championship style play there means you should go back and watch that match whipping was a good word for it because literally it looked as if on the live feed caleb batson was trying to throw the bag through a hard i mean (laughs) hard i mean he was just bam yeah across the body every time it was crazy to watch (laughs) 
<laughs> awesome. Yeah, I look forward. That's my favorite style of play to watch. So I'm excited to watch that. Moving into buy or sell. So we are going to look at some names and see if any of these players will get one of the last three spots available in the pro shootout. So the one we talked about earlier, Sam Finley. Is she going to get a spot, Trey? Buy or sell? I just, I, 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 I think I'm going to buy it all the way through shootout number eight. I, I really yeah. do. I just, I don't see it not happening. I mean, th- there's, there's other players you could look at for different reasons. Hers even didn't look like nerves this time, right? She looked like a different level of focus. Yes. Focus. Yes. I mean, there was a different level to Sam Finley this time. I did not see nerves this time. I saw Allison Peters beat Sam Finley. Yeah. There was nothing Sam did, right? And I think arguably if if Allison Peters throws like she did against Sam Finley in semifinals, I think she actually beats Vanessa Fillingham in the finals. I think Sam Finley if she goes to the finals may beat Vanessa Fillingham. But all credit to Vanessa, she got it done, but I'll buy Sam Finley still winning one. Anthony, buy yourself. I'm buying. It's not going to be easy. You got Cassidy, Altice, Irwan, Belvin, Duel. And Maupin still in the field, only three spots left. But I think, like you were saying, Trey, that level of focus, she's trending up. Absolutely slayed uh, the National Four doubles event last time. Her stats were were killing. I think she's coming in hot. I'm going to buy it. All right. Keep it rolling with the women. Sarah Cassidy, by herself. This one's tougher. And the reason because she was so good, Anthony. Anthony brought up the fact that she was unbelievable. She got onto the broadcast boards and her confidence went out the window because they played too fast. She couldn't find a bag to work. And I could tell that she was uncomfortable from the get-go. So I want to buy this very badly. I will actually sell it, surprisingly, because yeah. I'm wondering if she can find a happy medium on the bags. Happy to be proven wrong here. And if I am proven wrong, it's because... She adjusts bags, switches bags, and finds something more in her comfort zone. Got it. Anthony? On the fence too, Trey. Totally see why you're going to the cell. I'm actually going to buy. She's she's the top-ranked female in the field right now. She's maintained the number two female position two years straight. I can't ignore that, but you're right. I mean, she's got to figure out what's going on in that finals. I think she can. I'll buy. All right. Mark Richards. Is he going to get that? That was my hot take, kind of, along with doubles. But you guys said it wasn't that hot, so now you're on the spot. Let's hear it. Buy I, I, I will, I will buy it. Um, and the reason I'll buy it is because I just think he's he's the best player that hasn't won one, right? So I'm on the fence. You're running out of time, but I'll buy it. Okay, Anthony. Ah, gotta buy two. We can't ignore. I mean, this dude broke records of most bags in a row on TV. Number one player on the world. I don't think it matters what format. I think he's going to kill it at both of them. I think it's just kind of odd that he hasn't had the finish that we thought he could in the shootout. I'm buying though. I mean, you can't deny the guy's talent. And his only loss in this last one was to Josh Holland, who wins the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Fair point. Matt Guy, <laughs> is he just cursed? I don't know. So you know what? Uh, for the first time this year, I'm going to sell it. And wow. here's the reason I'm going to sell it. You have three left. One of them is outside. M- Matt Guy's not going to win outside. Sorry. I mean, it play style doesn't bode well. We're going to be near the beach. I think the way that Spencer McKenzie's things is going to be set up, that the wind will be limited. 
but there's still going to be some element to it. I just don't see Matt Guy being the guy that wins outside, which means you only get two left. Um, I just that odds don't work in my favor. I'm gonna buy on I'm gonna buy on Mark Richards, which means he's taken one of those. Mm-hmm. So I, I I just I'm selling it. I I guess it's just not his format. Could be, Anthony. I absolutely struggle with the live or die by the airmail strategy uh, of Matt Guy in the round limited formats. I'm, I'm good with aggressive airmail, but it's the overuse when bags are sitting level one or on the rim. I mean, please give me give me a replace bag or mm-hmm. give me a push through or something on a deep blocker. But I can't I can't buy that. I mean, that strategy is sell all day to me. I'm selling. All right. That makes sense. And last one, Tanner Halbert. Buy or sell. Yeah. So I, I sold Matt Guy, and part of the reason I did it was to make room for Tanner Halbert. I, I legitimately think Tanner Halbert wins one of these things. I'm going to buy it. Agreed. Anthony? Honestly, I'd, I'd buy Halbert all day in almost any cornhole scenario. I mean, this yeah. dude will be a legend. <laughs> he will be a legend when his cornhole days are over with. High IQ, strategic <laughs> shot selection, a deadly airmail. He's got all the tools to win in round limited or first to 21. I don't care. I'm buying. I'm buying it. Uh, <laughs> got it. We're liking that one. Good job, Tanner. All right. Moving on to our next shootout coming up in Lakeland, Florida on July 22nd. It's going to be our sixth shootout. Let's go ahead and talk through some of these uh, people who are coming out to play. Uh, Trey, you want to walk, walk us through the registration list? Yeah. Well, really just some some players I'm looking for. I'm looking for Mark Richards. Right now, I just said he was going to win one. I think he's going to be obviously a heavy favorite to to take this down. Now, one other name that I think is a big one is Tanner Halbert. Tanner Halbert's going to sleep in his own bed. He's going to have home field advantage. So he, I mean, that's as good of an excuse to win as I can think of. So in the end, I think this is Tanner. Tanner Halbert should in a way be a favorite here, in my opinion. Um, It took, if you look at the way he lost the last one, he lost to Alec Ryan in the shootout, giving up two huge rounds right at the beginning of the game. And after round two, Alec Ryan did not score again. All he did was outweight the 10 rounds or the 12 rounds for Tanner Halbert not able to come back and, and get the win. So I think Tanner Halbert, from a talent perspective, is good enough and should win um, th- this coming weekend. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Trey Birchfield looking to, looking to get one win. Just one. I mean, I don't think he'll get it. I think I'm gonna. I'd put him in the Mac guy category of selling it. But does he eventually uh, get a, get a win here? Um, you know, No Almanza was supposed to play with Mark Richards this weekend, but now has to play with Jacob Beamer. That's a little bit of a switch there since Mark Richards qualified. But uh, I think No Almanza is going to be a, to- a, a top candidate to, to get a win here. Um, but yeah, I mean, just on the single side at least. Um, pretty wide open. The question is, uh, uh, who, who gets it? I think maybe one of the Florida girls maybe gets it. I think Sam Finley, again, she's probably my favorite on the women's single side to, to get a win here, but um, certainly we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, we got quite a few Florida players over there, so that should be interesting. Anthony, some thoughts on the next coming up shootout. Yeah, maybe just some thoughts on doubles. <clears throat> so let's let's get the. I, I think uh, Birchfield Rawls the favorites in my opinion coming into this one. Now there's some strong teams, but I like them as a favorite. But if you kind of just look at everything going on, it's pretty crazy. It's almost like they took we took a bunch of elite 
players and partnerships and then just shuffled them up. I mean, mm-hmm. check this out. Noah Almanza, his partner Moores is registered. They're both registered. Almanza goes and picks up Richards. They're a team. Matthew Creek Killer. Jacob Foreman's also registered. Nah, I'm not going to play with him. I'm going to play with Devin Harbaugh, another mix-up <laughs> team. You've got Jimmy Humans. <clears throat> Ty Cobb is registered. No, I'm not going to play with Cobb. I went and picked up Tony Smith. You've got Joe Neistead in the field. His partner, Morellis is in the field. He's going to play with Jordan Power. So it was like this this whole mix-up going on. And it, the, the Neistead-Power one, I mean, most people would go, ooh, Neistead up, upgraded. He went and picked up Jordan Power. Nico's killing it right now. I mean, I think it's a wash. They could be a super strong team. But, yeah, I was just kind of looking at this thing going, man, everybody just kind of mixed it up and shuffled it around. Um, Emery Parker and Alan Rawls, did you see the run they just had at the uh, at the Open this past weekend? Right, right, yeah. I was like, what is that? I mean, if they come in here and do the same thing they did again, they could make, they could be some dark horse team. Uh, but then you have your normal strong ones, right? Halbert Zockline making the broadcast at the last national. They're going to be killer. Hogan Trzinski in the field. We saw them at National 1 make the ESPN broadcast. And then, of course, Baldwin and Renner always strong. So it's going to be an exciting one. I'm really interested to see how all these kind of shuffling of partnerships shake out. Well, I think part of the the reason we're seeing that trend is because shuffled teams have now won three of the last four shootouts. Yes. Yes. Think about it. You had Smith and Lopez. They win. You you had just this past weekend. You had Richards and Bernasette win. Um, before that, you had um, we were Windsor out and Wooten. I think. Windsor and Wooten win that. So it's three in the last four to win out of the doubles. So there's, I mean, that's more than half, right? There's only been two teams that we we and that's Guy and Davis and then Graham and Guy. Well, it's the fire squad. <laughs> the fire besides the fire squad, nothing else is working as far as teammates go in these shootouts. Now I like that you brought up Neistat and Power. People kind of forget Neistat and Power were supposed to be a doubles team coming into this season. Is that right? But then Jay Rubin kind of said hey Jordan Power you want to play together and Jordan Power said, uh, yeah, we can do that. Um, okay. And so kind of there was a switch there. So Neistat and Power have some chemistry. But I would say as of re- re- recently, like you said, you there is an argument to be made that Joe, that Nico Morales is playing a little bit better than Jordan Power at this very moment. I think you could mm-hmm. absolutely make that argument um, for, for that, for them two to go, uh, for, for him to be favored over him. So – who did, um, uh, who did Noah Almanza pick up? So Noah Almanza is now playing with Jacob Beamer, right? right. Because okay. Jacob Beamer. he's got to play with someone that's registered, right? If you remember when Lopez and Smith won, though their two partners played together. Mark Richards played with Eric Anderson the next week because they were both registered, so that was allowed. Mm-hmm. So this time it just so happened that Ashton Spees is no longer going to the shootout. So Jacob Beamer was partnerless and registered. Oh, while Monza was partnerless and registered. So they paired up and now they'll play together since Mark Richards is, is no longer available because he's taken off the, uh, so he's he's they'll be playing together. It'd be interesting. I have no idea what Beamer and Almanza are going to throw for bags, <laughs> but, but it'll be certainly, uh, certainly interesting to watch. All right, cool. Well, let's roll into our hot takes. I know my hot take is about the shootout. Are you guys going with the shootout as well? Yes, ma'am. All right, let's hear it. All right. 
Okay, yeah, I'm going to go to the shootout six, uh, and I'm picking one of those scrambled partnerships we were just talking about, and only because they're not throwing combats, because only Tony Smith can throw those damn things. And I have official confirmation from Jimmy Humans and Tony Smith. They will throw a bag that neither one of them can throw or have thrown before. So a new <laughs> bag choice. I like the choice, and we'll, we'll leave it. We'll let it remain for them to share. But I'm going to go with my hot take. Jimmy Humans and Tony Smith win shootout number six doubles. All right. Oh, this is perfect because my hot take goes directly against your hot take. Yes. I am going Devin Harbaugh and Matthew Creek Killer like take it. down shootout number six in doubles. So it's the battle of the hot takes. Uh, and mine's Halberton's and easy. Oh, yeah. We got a three for three. I love it. <laughs> That's going to get interesting. Uh, oh, one of us I love is right, it. potentially, or we're all wrong. We, we will find out this weekend. So make sure you tune in to watch that. Um, that's all the time we have. So uh, thanks for bearing with me in this unique setting here in Ventura, California. And we'll see you guys all next time.